Hello, welcome to Reaction Shots for December. Uh, small, just me and Hubie this time, because I forgot to invite anyone as a guest. Ha <laughs> 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 so You and I got you all to myself, Ian. Yeah, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, <laughs> oh, it'll be nice to talk to Matthew Walden or Tokyo Slim or whatever. <laughs> I was like, wait, you fool. <laughs> you never asked stuck with anyone. me. Uh, but we got a lot of really great comments from our patrons patreon.com slash easy alleys check it out um and so that'll more than make up for it uh but first before we talk about david fincher and the films he has made Mm -hmm. uh have you liked anything lately hubisoft what's up yeah dude sound of metal sound of freaking metal this is my favorite movie of this year this is my number one um wait tell me what it is what is it yeah so sound of metal is from one of the writers of Place Beyond the Pines. Okay. Um, and it stars Risa Med and Olivia Cook, I believe is her name. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And he is a metal drummer. So full on heavy metal. And he begins to lose his hearing. So it's about him going deaf. And Intense. it is, yeah, it is a hardcore drama. It's a dramatic film. Um, and it's just, it's like my favorite kind of movie, you know, just a character study and what he goes through and, and just what he, what he discovers is important in life. You know, it's definitely a, it's definitely an introspective life changing kind of movie. I, I just, I absolutely loved this movie and it is, it is easily my favorite of the year now. Number one. Wow. Just loved it. It sounds very stressful. I don't know if I could handle yeah, that. It's, That's a it's fear of mine, losing my hearing, you know? Dude, it is stressful. It's surprising. The cast is incredible. They hired a ton of deaf people, like part of the cast. He trained for six months to a year to like be a drummer. Uh, he learned ASL. Like wow. it is... It is a legit movie, dude. I, I cannot recommend it enough. But it's definitely a heavy one. So it's not something you just want to throw on willy-nilly. It's definitely one you got to mentally prepare for. It's uh, it's it's a tough one. It's a good one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really, really good. You catch anything else? Um, and I'm th- I think you'll bring it up. Possessor. Yo, I'm dude. I'm excited to talk, that. I'm excited to talk excited to you about this. Yeah possessor hype david cronenberg's son's movie brandon cronenberg which which when you say it like that ian i i get get this image in my head that it's like a child or like a teenager but he's actually like yeah he's like 40 something (laughs) um Uh, i have never seen his first one antiviral which i want to go back to now i remember hearing about that when it came out Mm -hmm. um but then never saw it yeah, yeah, now I now I want to go back, but uh Possessor gave me kind of get out vibes a little bit. It's like you take over somebody's consciousness basically, their body. You uh you sci-fi like inception, get into their body and take it over. And the the premise of the film without giving away spoilers is that they use this for assassination, espionage. Yeah. Just like getting in their body, using it for their own for their own gain. 
Yeah. It uh, is a really interesting movie. It has a lot of really cool style choices and stuff. I thought it was a little longer maybe than it needed to be. Sure, um, sure. But, I mean, and also, like, the apple does not fall too far from the tree <laughs> in this case. Like, definitely can feel the Cronenberg kind of uh, vibes. Definitely. Um, but definitely worth a, a watch. I enjoyed it, too. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Just that grimy, hardcore science fiction vibe, you know? Yeah. Like, this is... And, like the hard stuff like dark and sad mm-hmm. but in like a nice way yes i mean that, i like that kind of i mean we'll we'll probably get into this as we're talking about david goddamn fincher <laughs> for this episode but like something about this kind of cold filmmaking is like a warm blanket for me totally <laughs> totally so yeah. yeah anything else that you like lately um I feel, like you were saying earlier, I feel like there's so much I watch, but uh, I feel like I watch a lot. And then this small, is... small acts. Actually, I want to give a, oh, a quick shout out. I haven't I'm, jumped in yet. I'm one behind. There's five movies from the master Steve McQueen. Uh, he did Hunger, Shame, and Twelve Years a Slave, and Widows. All tens, uh, and he he did five movies. That are airing over on BBC. I think Amazon Prime gets them a few days after. Europe. Yeah, I saw them on Amazon Prime. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a BBC thing. Yeah, and uh, tonight actually uh, will be the fourth movie. I'm on the third. It's the one with John Boyega. I have not watched that. Oh, but nice. the, the okay. first two were just incredible. Um, it blows my mind that they're all feature-length films. Yeah. Five yeah. of them. Just puking out five movies. Boom, boom, boom. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who does that who has the time <laughs> like right it's amazing but uh it's about england in the 60s and 70s and just being black at that time and dealing with you know racial injustices uh the second one was cool because it it showed me a, a full-on genre of music ian this this genre called lover's rock uh, I have not heard of the genre. I haven't heard that name of a genre. I don't know. Maybe I'd recognize the music if I heard it. But. Yeah, and it and it's just it, no spoilers for the second one, but it's basically just a, a house party and like just celebrating music and this culture. And it was that was that was a really cool. One. Cool. So I mean, is that is that how they um, got these movies done? Is that they're all like smaller scale, like one location kind of movies? Or the first one was like over two hours full on you know not one location like big scope um the second one was shorter it was only like 70 minutes and then the the john boyega one is also like 70 or 80 minutes so they're a little shorter okay. all right the shorter side but they're full-on movies that's great so that's it uh i watched possessor i watched um new mutants with omar <laughs> omar and i watched new mutants <laughs> tell me about it man because because dark phoenix was in a similar spot where it's like, dude, this movie is trash. Don't watch it. Yeah. And then I watched it at home where the stakes are lower. And I was like, it's bad, but I'm enjoying it. Is, I, is this a similar thing? Uh, similar. I mean, if you, if you, if you, <laughs> it's bad, but I'm having fun with it. Dark Phoenix. You could probably do that to this one. This movie, it, um, it, it, you can you can smell the studio interference and like how edit, how over edited it is like <sighs> things are missing it has all the hallmarks though of just like poor filmmaking or like 
just lowest common denominator filmmaking where like it over explains everything that like everything is super obvious and predictable. Um, and then like it does a thing that I I've noticed in many a movie of this kind of quality is that, you know how like at the third act turnaround, you've got characters that'll always say like some kind of like emotional thing, like I'm going to marry that girl or something. And it like, you can tell that the writer in their mind or while they were filming it, we're like, yeah, this will be like a heartfelt, like, or emotional or funny moment or whatever they're going for, you know? And it just yeah. does not land. Uh-huh. There's like 40 of those in this movie where Holy it's just crap. like they're taking for granted every relationship because they never really explain anyone beyond the main character and maybe um, Arya from mm-hmm. Game of Thrones a little bit. But like, it's also on the nose that it's kind of just like, I don't know. But all of that said, like I didn't hate my time watching it. Like it's a bad movie, but I, I I was like, I don't know. It's this is stupid and bad, but I'm like not clawing my eyes out, you know? Yeah. Um, and then Omar happened to just throw on Patriot the other day, and so I wound up watching a couple episodes of that again, and my god, it's still great. <laughs> nice. Damn you, Huber. <laughs> I'm sorry. I promise you, get past the first little bit, and you're going to love this damn show. Um, and then I watched Happiest Season, which How is... How was that? Uh, yeah, I'm hearing mixed. It's, it's all right. I mean, okay. I, I kind of appreciate that it kind of... It is just like a Hallmark movie... Yeah. But for lesbians. Nice. And it's a little refreshing. There yeah. are some things that aren't like, you know, just plot wise, filmmaking wise, like the core relationship isn't the focus when it really needed to be. It needed to be the emotional centerpiece of the thing. We needed to root for this couple, but you end up because it's centering around the struggle of um, Mackenzie Davis and her family and like her being in the closet and stuff, it doesn't give their relationship enough room to be nice and for us to root for it. So Mm. you end up like Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza, like seems way more simpatico, but that's just because we get to see them being like out and like normal with each other. Hmm. Um, So yeah, I think the only missteps, God, yeah, the only backlash I saw without spoilers was, like, people were mad at the end or something, or, like, a decision that was made. Yeah, I mean... So I think it was few... more, like, mad at the the story as a as a fan of it or something. They they didn't get what they wanted, maybe. Yeah, and th- there, are a few, there are a few things, like, how, how certain things come about that I kind of wished had happened in a different way and, like, would have shorn up the their relationship a little better. I, again, without getting the spoilers, it's kind of, like, you can't really criticize it too specifically without spoiling it so um but like again didn't hate it 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 had a lot of cute little moments there are a few really really nice scenes like dan levy who i like from schitt's creek which i also just recently finished um he has a really nice speech about coming out and how scary that is and stuff and Hmm. yeah it's it's a nice it's a nice movie that's good Um, it seems like it's hard is in the right place yeah it's certainly not like i mean you could find things to be mad about, but it's made mm. by Clea Duvall, who is gay, and like, so I I want to give it the the, I want to give it credit, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, overtly problematic. I don't know, whatever. But I'll <laughs> tell you a movie that's fucking glorious that I'd never seen. I missed it <laughs> for whatever reason. I always wanted to see it. Um, 
Book Smart. Did you ever oh, see this movie? No, but I love her. She it, was Kate Caitlin Dever. Caitlin Dever. She was which in uh, like Justified. Is that the actor? Yeah, one of the main oh, okay, okay. actors in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know either of the the leads' names, but they're both just incredible. Uh, Olivia Wilde, hmm. uh, I think, directed it for sure. I think also yeah. maybe wrote it. Dang. Um, yeah. Incredible. It's oh, it's so good. It's. I mean, the easiest way to sum it up is like, it's like super bad, but with girls. Awesome. But that, that sells it right and sells it wrong, kind of. It, um, <laughs> I just, I loved it to pieces. And it has really positive um, LGBT stuff in it. Nice. And like, just, it shows very well, kind of like Lady Bird. Um, it's just a very real kind of portrait of that age and how you feel at that age, um, mm-hmm. while also being, like, a pretty off-the-wall comedy, yeah. oftentimes. Like, it, it gets pretty, like, bonkers. Sick. Um, oh, what's her name? Billy Lord, I think is her name. Uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, actually. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Who is in American Horror Story and stuff. Her character is so funny <laughs> um, in this. She's, like, a super rich girl that just keeps showing up at different parties. <laughs> uh, it's really funny. Um, book smart. High high Dude, recommendation. Okay. <laughs> putting it putting it near the top, Ian. I love you know, I love my coming of age stories. <laughs> yeah. Well and and it's I think a comedy that you'll like too. I know nice. you're picky with comedy. For sure. Um, if it's if it's like school related comedies, I'm nine out of ten times in. <laughs> yeah. I'd say it's got more heart probably than super bad without ever getting saccharine. Mm-hmm. Um what does saccharine mean? Like overly sweet, like false sweetness nice uh yeah anyway that's what we've liked lately let's get into david finchar i'm just gonna list them all do it uh alien three first one seven the game fight club panic room zodiac benjamin button social network girl the dragon tattoo gone girl and mank i think i wrote those down in order i think maybe i didn't yeah also a shocking number of music videos i knew about some of them uh, and a bunch of little shorts and commercials and whatever. Um, and a bunch of TV shows. Um, we're not going to talk about one of those TV shows, really. Uh, and I haven't really mm-hmm. seen Mindhunter, except Dude, for a few scenes that are I'm phenomenal. currently watching Mindhunter right now. I'm through season two. I didn't even know freaking Andrew Dominic directed some episodes of that. He did uh, Assassination of Jesse James. And, oh, okay. And Chopper. Yeah. Dude has made three movies in his life. I'm watching Mindhunter, and it's, like, directed by Andrew Dominic. I'm like, yo, dude, I'm so pumped. <laughs> um, I could see, yeah, because, th- I mean, just thinking about Jesse James. Similar, um, like, brooding similar vibe. Tone. Yeah, yeah, very similar vibe <laughs> to Fincher. Um, I think it's safe to say, Michael Huber, that mm-hmm. Fincher is among our favorite directors, Yeah easily and while i much prefer his first half of films rather than mm. his most recent half i re- and, and i like each movie to varying degrees i really want to say that his filmography is immaculate yeah. honestly this this man has never really made a bad movie say what you will of uh, maybe some of the low points, maybe like Benjamin Button would be maybe, maybe lower on the list. I asked asked our patrons what their least favorite was. And that one, that one came up the most probably. Yeah. And Uh, and along with alien three, but we'll get into it. Sure. (laughs) Sure. 
We'll get, but, we got uh, a whole section for that. For for how many movies he's made over the years, this is as as about as flawless as filmography as you could have as a filmmaker. Honestly, no, yeah, no, like no turns, no, no duds. real, yeah, no, no irredeemable stinkers. Yeah, uh, I would, I would say, yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny you said that you you prefer the first half of his career. Yeah, and this that wasn't something I'd really thought about, but I guess I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, although I really do love Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mostly just for vibes. Trent Reznor. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that that pair up was like perfect, yeah. and also just like I grew up listening to like like I'd fall asleep listening to Nine Inch Nails, you know, as a, as a brooding teenager, and yeah. like yeah, Match Made in Heaven. Truly, um, truly. <laughs> uh. I didn't ask you to prepare this, and I didn't prepare it myself, but now I want to, like, rank them. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll do that toward the end. We can think... Yeah. We'll do it on the fly. We'll rank our, our own personal rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. But uh, as I always do, I ask our patrons at patreon.com slash allies for their thoughts. We have a discussion um, thread, I guess, on our um, $7 and up film club tiers, uh, and... Got a lot of really, really great responses. A few that I really love, um, and I'll call... I mean, I liked them all, but there were a few people who phrased the um, the kind of, like, vibes of Fincher. Because hmm. I'm always trying to, like, think about it, and I always want to say, like, well, it's very, it's very like, meticulous and cold and omniscient and, and not... Cold. I think he gets... People give him credit for being nihilistic, but I don't think he is. Hmm. I think he's actually very playful, um, he loves the be. human the human psyche. Right. Yeah, and like he's definitely like god and auteur in that sense like on, you know, like his his films are just I mean there are, there are countless videos about this like every from painting and whoever um but they talk about how the camera like precisely moves with the actors and stuff and that amount of meticulous detail is just crazy but um some people some of the some of the phrasings that these guys that that our our patrons used, I'll call them out because when we get to them, because they really fr- summed it up in a great way. Nice. Um, first question I asked was, um, "What's your favorite Fincher film?" And uh, people surprised me. Uh, they they had a few that I would not have expected to be somebody's hmm. favorite. Uh, for instance, Happy Gaming says, "Well, it's not the most popular. I think Gone Girl is the one that sticks with me the most." Um, which Gone Girl for me sits, this is me talking now, sits not, you know, not, it's like in the middle, middle bottom, maybe middle bottom for me too. Um, well, I mean, but I mean, it's like ranking Dark Souls games where it's like Mm -hmm. his, his bottom is like a, is like an eight. Yeah. (laughs) So So true. Still a great movie. (laughs) Um, my hype was a little much, a little different. Uh, Beth had read the book, of course, and loves Gillian Flynn. Yeah. Uh, she's only written like three or four books, but, uh, she actually teamed up with Steve McQueen later and wrote widows, uh, as well. But I, I definitely had hype because I was hyped for Fincher and then she was hyped for the adaptation and Gillian Flynn. So we went in with really, really high expectations. Um, and we both just, yeah, like you were saying, we just, we liked it, but uh, it wasn't wasn't near our tops. It's funny because it um, it's an expertly crafted film, and I, I if you asked me why it doesn't sing quite as much 
as his others, I'm not sure I'd have a direct answer. I mean, it's been a minute since I've seen it. I've seen it a couple times, but it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. But like, it has all his hallmarks, but it mm-hmm. just didn't land quite as heavily as some of his other yeah. ones for me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe it's too cold of a movie. You know, it's like, I remember it not being cozy and I remember not really like rooting for any one person because I was like trying to like follow the puzzle pieces too. So it's like, all right, who am I, whose side am I on? Like, where am I at emotionally right now? And I didn't, didn't, I could never like get a grip (laughs) emotionally. But but that's like, that's intentional. (laughs) And like, that's, that's something that, that's something that Fincher loves to do. He like. I'd say, you know, half of his movies, you have people you can root for, heroes, emotional, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, as Tokyo Slim will mention later, like, the game doesn't have a likable protagonist, kind of. And, like, yeah. this one, he's, pl- like, the film, the story, Gillian Flynn and Fincher are playing your own preconceived notions against you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating, weird movie. Yeah. Uh, Happy Gaming also mentions seven because it's what introduced, I think, a lot of us to uh, his mm-hmm. work and kickstarted their love for buddy cop dramas and murder mysteries all at the same time. Um, Tef, also favorite by far, is Seven. It's literally a piece of art for me uh, and made me pay attention to Brad Pitt as an actor. He plays the role of Mills perfectly, and his character arc throughout the movie is fantastic. He comes in as a very brash detective and learns quickly from Somerset that patience is key. It's a joy to watch. It's definitely so one of one of the best, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. tainted, tainted by now. an actor, of course. Yep. Um, which makes it hard, you know. Like there's yeah. taint, and then there's taint. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There. Yeah. So so it makes it a little little challenging, but uh, pre taint, there's no denying that that was a very impactful film of my youth. You know, definitely opened that door. Like, gotta give it credit for sure. Gotta give it yeah. credit for opening the dark psychological murder door <laughs> and a door as we know for you that has never swung back closed <laughs> yeah, wide um, open as ter- in in terms of your interests in film mm-hmm. hopefully not in your actual practices um <laughs> my relationship to seven is very interesting because i had seen the made for or the edited tv version <laughs> several fun. times first mm-hmm. um before seeing the real thing and uh, the edit, the edited for TV version, as you might imagine, is pretty neutered, uh, pretty weird experience because you kind of just like have to picture everything. But what I will say is that even that version is still like incredibly unsettling. Uh, and that's something I like about Fincher is that um, he plays with your imagination, even when, even in the like hard R like versions that show stuff. Mm-hmm. The way he frames things is so visceral yeah it's so disturbing zodiac especially where like the knife you, kills the knife kills oh so god too real too intense it's too real and and it, what's even crazier is all of that is digital like yeah he never uses practical blood because he t- makes a billion different takes mm-hmm. um which we could talk about in a little bit because yeah. someone asked what we think about that but um yeah it's uh, thinking about that ian um sound his use of sound and lack of like watching Mm -hmm. mindhunter um so many conversations you just hear the the 
the ambiance, like the background, you know, there's a, they're in a room and people are typing in the background and you just hear that or Zodiac, that whole scene by the lake is just eerily quiet. So when it happens, it's just like, Oh my God, you're there. Well, and that's what, that's what one of my favorite things about Fincher is. And I think that it's, it's something that people appreciate without noticing it. And, and since it's not flashy, it's not in your face, uh, it doesn't call attention to itself. It can easily be overlooked. But um, as meticulous as he is with his visuals and with camera placement and camera movement and actors and, and, and the production design and details and everything, he is with the sound. And yeah. like, think about how rarely he uses close-ups uh, and he really only uses it to draw your attention to something. When he does use subjective sound, and I, I watched a few videos earlier today that talked about this too, but like they're totally right. And it's like subjective, like most of the time his sound is very realistic Mm -hmm. except for a couple of subjective uses to just draw your attention to, to a detail or to uh, let you into the head of the character a little bit to let you know how they're feeling. And like Mm -hmm. what I love about it is how subtle it is and how meticulous it is. Cause it's, it's something that in film can be overlooked um, a lot of a lot of like lesser filmmakers will um, neglect sound, mm-hmm. and it's truly, truly, truly important. Um, and a lot of other filmmakers, not to say that this is a bad choice, but um, you know, you can definitely be like super brash with your sound design choices. You know, like the examples coming to my mind are like Tarantino or like um, Under the Skin or Michael like, Mann, dude. Out yeah, of oh yeah, out gunshots. Of <laughs> And like that's a that's a different thing, and that's a different yeah. style, you know. And Fincher wants it's a it's a really weird combination, Fincher, that he seems to simultaneously want the artifice of filmmaking to disappear, to to not be noticed, while also being so meticulous that it's so filmic. Everything is so filmmakery. That it's just dripping off of everything, and it, it it hits this really fine balance to me, of being, I mean, he and Denny Villeneuve are are similar in a lot of ways to to my mind, where it's like, they're they're both somehow they get out of the way while also controlling literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's epic, and it's That's it's really wild. Good. It's pretty nuts. Mank, um, I feel like nailed that sweet spot. Mank is is a bonkers film yeah and like i want i i'm it just came out and that's Mm -hmm. what inspired actually someone on twitter inspired shout out thank you uh this episode um because they were like hey manx coming out you should do a a fincher episode i'm like hey that's a good idea perfect idea (laughs) um but uh mank is wild and i'm gonna i'm actually gonna jump ahead in our notes here for a second because um because i want to get the right person yeah colt smith actually uh in the in our least favorite fincher films colt smith had a comment that says um writing this having just watched mank i gotta say that they didn't like mank it's it's maybe their least favorite um and now it may just be that having watched it could change on a rewatch but to me it doesn't feel like uh it makes sense a lot of the time like the pacing is a bit strange and the character motivations don't make sense i don't know the acting is really fantastic throughout and the framing and compositions of the shots are great and the old-time techniques are fun to watch and handled well, but I, it, I just ended the film 
feeling meh about the thing. I love his style and direction in, in basically all his films, but this one uh, just feels not up to par in my opinion. And like, <laughs> not to not to use Colt as an example of, because um, I definitely don't think Mank is his best movie. Um, same, same, and I don't think it's like some immediate shoe in for best picture either, no. which was definitely the hype going in. But um, the funny thing is, Colt Colt's comment actually made me think a lot about, um, and I didn't go back to look at specific examples of this, but um, I think it's similar to the reactions, certainly within the film of Mank, uh, to what people said about the screenplay for what would become Citizen Kane. Um, and I, th- I think it's got to be intentional, like the disjointed... Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the narrative kind of just like, jumps around goes forward totally. um halfway through the movie i noticed that they were saying flashback when it was flashbacks and i was yeah. like all right that makes it easier to help, uh tell but like it is kind of it mirrors a lot of mank mirrors citizen kane in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um except updated to feel a little more modern because citizen kane you know you go back and you watch it now and um it's pretty slow and pretty tame and like doesn't it's it's not overtly revolutionary because everything that came after it aped from it you know mm-hmm. everything everything that you've seen has been in some way uh inspired in by citizen kane and like mank fe- felt to me like an update of that where it's like much faster much more dense i loved the opening title cards ian where it said uh filmed with high in high dynamic range yeah and it's just like that's so funny because that's such a mod it's purely modern yeah and like you know i just thought of back in the day when they're like filmed in technicolor and then now i when it's when it's like technicolor watching an old movie it's just like oh that that old that old tech it's like i don't know well and it's and it's really funny because i actually stayed to the end of the credits i mean i always do but uh specifically waiting to see what they shot it on because you know at the end of films they'll say like shot on kodak shot on red shot on ari whatever edit this one is edited in premiere pro which is what we use to edit all our videos too <laughs> nice. um but this one was shot on the red um which surprised me because the red is known for generally having more of a clean like sharp look like it's really great for like modern stuff commercials cars and stuff um whereas the ari Pardon me, the Ari Alexa is more known for having that filmic kind of look. So it, it was kind of interesting to me that they shot on a red for this and then did all this post-processing to make it look like it was, you know, not obviously not straight up shot in the 30s, but, uh, or 40s, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I love how they put, like, the cigarette burns in there on the corners. Totally. To, like, it's just so it was funny co- and it's it was all fake. It was cozy, dude. It was just a cozy movie. I really liked the... Just like the the historical, like that, just at its at a basic level of just like seeing Hollywood in the forties. Like I know it's not really yeah. the forties, but like when you watch it, you know you get taken back to that time. Um, well, sometimes it was hard to follow. Like I remember learning all this stuff in in film class, but it's like you know some of this Upton Sinclair political race and stuff. I wasn't really played by like, I believe up- Bill Nye. It looked like Bill. It looked Nye. like Bill Nye. Okay, yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> I was like, "Is that Bill Nye?" Like yeah. from his voice, and that he turned his face. I was like, "That looks like Bill Nye." Yeah, I forgot to but, look in the credits. But yeah, just some of that, like I wasn't fully aware of, and you know, there were parts when 
like the movie does not hold your hand. It's like no, you, know, yeah. you you were diving into this history, like you either know it or you're gonna be kind of confused. So I definitely had to like look stuff up afterwards of like yeah, what having, was really going on here. Well, having gone to film school helped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. I this is like, like oh, film one oh one stuff. Well, and it's it's like <laughs> there's a bunch of jokes in it about like the filmmaking process in the forties. Mm-hmm. Um, and 30s where it's like the studios and like artists uh, actors like basically being like owned by studios and like RKO and all kinds of stuff and mm-hmm. it was just like funny little nods and that yeah. um, a- as comes up a few times here though like Fincher uses way more CG than you think he does and it'd be interesting to see the like behind the scenes breakdown of this because you know all the stuff to make the time period um I'm sure I'm sure there was CG all over the damn place in this yeah. movie that you just don't even see. Probably some of those animals, obviously, those elephants and stuff. Oh, First yeah. First castle. Sure. Well, those Dude, those sh- you could kind of tell, but shout out to Amanda Seyfried, best supporting actor. Give it to her now. Yeah, like, she did one a good of my job. Favorites, dude. One of my favorite parts of that movie. Well, and it's nice that the character of Mank. Uh, I mean, I know it's based on real stuff, but I thought that he was well realized. Mm-hmm. Um. And I went in with a certain set of assumptions, just knowing that he was like an alcoholic writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't usually resonate with um, self-destruction, self-destruction movies where it's like <laughs> drinking yourself into a grave. Like I don't, I don't like that kind of stuff usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really loved the humanity that he had and how like, like he, he let his mouth run ahead of him, but he was actually like a really nice guy. It seemed like totally. in this movie. Totally. The moment um, when you learned that he got people out of Nazi Germany. Yeah. You know? And it's like, this is this is someone who doesn't go and flaunt the, his, you know. Right. Fl- flaunt the good things he's done. It's just like he would never brag or anything about that. So. I think about I think about it in one of those truth advertisements for anti-smoking or whatever that was like Philip Morris spent... $10 million on anti-smoking things and then $25 million telling you about it. Um, and I, that kind of thing always... Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, Sage Mode Q, back to favorites. Sage Mode Q, uh, favorite Fincher film is The Social Network. No matter how much was not true or maybe exaggerated, I still love it. There's something about great dialogue and great acting which the movie has in spades. Special shout out to Andrew Garfield who I think steals the show in this movie to which... Um, well, she didn't say this in response to that, but I, I put this here. Megan Linnard also just said, sorry, my Prada's at the cleaners. <laughs> Mark Varley also liked Social Network. Um, I'm really sorry. I wanted to watch this again for this episode, and I just didn't have the time because this is the one that I constantly hear being one of the greatest movies ever made, Ian. I've seen wow. numerous critics, numerous websites within the last year or so, numerous places say that The Social Network is one of the greatest movies of the decade and and maybe ever. Wow. Yeah. I just keep hearing that it is, it, it is an actually a perfect film. It's one of those where that's what it they is, say about it. I want to watch it again. It is very good. It's... Um... Yeah, it's like shockingly good. And I remember mm-hmm. I remember before it came out um that, you know, the headline was always just they're making a Facebook movie. Yeah. And we were all like, what? Uh, we rolled our <laughs> eyes like, yeah. really already? Like Fincher's doing it? Like <laughs> what? Uh and then what it was and like 
the soundtrack and the the way it's filmed and just the effects and everything and the story it's um Aaron Sorkin I believe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wrote the script and uh it shows and it's just like yeah I I I can't think of it. I it's been a minute since I've seen it I've seen yeah. it a few times but like I cannot think of any complaints about it mm-hmm. it's obviously very sad um like the the ending when he's just sitting there refreshing the page yeah. is maybe the most relatable and saddest thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know in a modern movie you know aside from where where like people aren't dying and getting sick and stuff but it's just like small world dramas <laughs> well i mean billions of dollars not really small dramas but you know what i mean yeah uh yeah it's a yeah. You watch it again because now there's way less noise right like right when that came out where facebook was versus where facebook is now and our understanding of it or a lack of understanding or i don't i basically say. don't even use facebook yeah. anymore yeah exactly yeah so i think uh, watching it now is probably a totally different experience um would you kindly was one of the people who phrased the phrased what fincher does in a, in a way i really appreciate it Fincher has a high-gloss apocalyptic aesthetic that makes him <laughs> the spiritual successor of Ridley Scott. High-gloss apocalyptic aesthetic Dude. perfectly sums up the feeling of Amazing. David Fincher for me. Amazing. Because <laughs> it's so true. It's too good. Um, and it does It does kind of feel like they point out that it feels like early Ridley Scott, and it kind of does. Ridley Scott had like a little more grunge, I think. than, <laughs> And I mean, as they say... Um, alien three connects both of their filmographies. Um, and it is kind of an interesting first outing for Fincher, Mm -hmm. a direct directorially feature film, uh, uh, fight club title sequence penetrates into the pores of all the neuroses and facades of urban civilization. Many social critical films and books before that weren't speaking to my generation millennials, I think, um, until Palinuic and Brett Easton Ellis arrived with their baseball bat on my rooftop. Fincher's version of Fight Club is more comical and, and absurd while staying serious, a craft that Gilliam Burton and G- Gaiman master, Neil Gaiman. I also prefer Norton and Carter's nihilistic romance to any action hero damsel in distress setting. While the Pixies raise a melancholic eulogy, the most dangerous movie in the 90s until the day after tomorrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, totally. It's... Um, Fight Club is, I think, the movie that they... Was that your wedding ring falling? Always. <laughs> Get bigger fingers. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's talk about Fight Club. Um, Fight Club is a movie that, as a teenager, I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. I had read the book. I watched the movie over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the... like that's the point obviously is like and when you're a teen um especially like male presenting teen like you might not get that the joke is on you um necessarily you know like you just think like yeah badass like rip the system yeah yeah and then don't talk about it yeah yeah oh (laughs) yeah first rule um oh my god dude first rule (laughs) first rule of fight club dude 
Was but that, then it's, uh, that's like one of the OG memes, I feel oh like. Oh my god, it's, it's iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. The, the whole damn movie's iconic. Yeah. There's so many incredible moments in Fight Club. And um, it's funny because even today, I think, like some people didn't get the memo on Fight Club where it, like they didn't see that it's actually like... It's not pro this behavior necessarily. Um, but it's also like very anti-capitalist and like, you know, it's kind of anti-everything yeah. in, in some ways. But the the filmmaking in it is just so fun. And like... Such a fun movie. And like uh, for, a, for a movie that hinges pretty largely on a twist, mm-hmm. um, it's very, very thoughtfully done and rewarding once you're in on it oh that's such a good call ian it is so rewatchable even knowing the twist yeah you know you can't really say that about a lot of movies like i love inception but like oh yeah once you know everything it definitely loses a little bit and i feel like fight club doesn't suffer from that that's the nolan yeah once you understand once you see the the larger puzzle it it kind of takes a takes well, a once, hit once you know and this is true of like most of his movies maybe the prestige gets around it shockingly mm-hmm. for a movie like basically that just explains things as the entire movie but like <laughs> i think batman begins and inception are both very uh guilty of this where it's like once you've after your first viewing you don't need minutes 15 through 65 of any <laughs> nolan movie you can just cut them out and and it's like a more entertaining <laughs> Oh, Batman Begins is my favorite. It's my favorite what? one. Batman Begins. I, it's a great movie. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> but I'm saying like you Some definitely lose something. But there's something about Fincher movies where I rewatch them and I re- and I notice things and it rewards yeah. you. And I think it's because he doesn't hold your hand. He doesn't totally. he doesn't make things obvious. Um whereas Nolan, I think it aims a little more mainstream than mm-hmm. Fincher does. I feel like Fincher is always about the characters. Yes. You know, I feel like if you put Nolan and Fincher kind of in the middle of like blockbusters, it's like Nolan would be like a little more towards plots. Yeah. Plot Fincher is like, all right, character blockbusters, which I mean, you know, one of those is better than the other, yeah. <laughs> for sure. As for far sure. as filmmaking goes, and characters all day, <laughs> characters all day, and it's like that's why these movies, I think, are like we can't we can't point to one that's like outwardly bad, because mm-hmm. um, even Alien Three, which I think is yeah. probably what most people would point to as his weakest film, and even he disowned it, and like mm-hmm. the studio messed with it a bunch. Studio there are meddling. moments in Alien Three that are so solid and like so the solid. characters are so solid and um well we'll get into it there's a whole yeah. alien three section coming alien three is good dude i really like it i like it I- <laughs> it's not one or two but it's good it's different that's what make that's what that's what i love i love alien yeah i that's what i love about the alien quadrilogy 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 is baby. all four of those movies are so fucking different yep yep <laughs> Dude, yeah. I like Alien Resurrection. I, I don't it. hate it. Yeah. Uh, uh, James Willems uh, from Funhouse, uh, he would always say like that, um, and he says this about the Mission Impossible movies too, but that each of them is a different genre hmm. and uh, Alien Resurrection is just a French uh, like comedy, like Amelie, City of Lost <laughs> Children style movie. 
Same director, I think. Yes, yeah. Jean-Pierre Junet. Yeah, Junet. Delicatessen and everything. Uh, Colin Gray, I hope the stands for Benjamin Button appear in the convo. <laughs> At the end of the day, that really is my fave of Fincher's films. Not to say that I don't like his other works. I respect the heck out of him. But what Fincher did to an unfilmable work like the short story is nothing less than masterly. That's the only film of his I've never seen. I actually forgot it was his because it seems so left field to me. <laughs> Have you seen that one? In the theater, man. I never watched it. Never, so, never again. I remember so liking our, it. Our whole theory about rewatchability has, has crumbled. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I didn't want to, but just I I haven't like I haven't ever been like time to rewatch Benjamin Button, <laughs> you know? <laughs> just haven't haven't been in that mood. But yeah. uh you know it definitely falls in that wheelhouse for me of of like uh it's got like a like a fairy tale vibe, you know? I love yeah long drawn out like like even assassination of jesse james kind of just has that weird like really long fairy tale vibe or fable even to it yeah um, yeah, yeah so it's something something like that and social network are the two that i wish i had time to go back and and rewatch but i'm sorry i didn't <laughs> please forgive me i forgive you yeah um xavier allegrucci tell me how i did on that uh it has to be Social Network with Zodiac not far behind. It's a two-hour film that feels like it's half uh, half of that due to dialogue and pacing and fast cuts throughout uh, that make it incredibly engaging. Definitely one of the most influential movies of the decade. Zodiac is the complete office, opposite, a slow-paced thriller focused on the smallest details instead of painting in broad strokes. Compelling characters combined with fantastic performances. Yeah, I, I recently actually watched Zodiac like a week ago. And Zodiac is so good. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time. One, because as dark as it is, I find true crime fascinating. I am I am very intrigued with true crime, you know. Have you watched All Be Gone about... in the Dark? No. On HBO? Mm-mm. Real good so far. I'm like halfway through it. Okay. You'd lo- you're going to love it. Okay. Yeah. I just started uh, Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, yeah, I've seen the thumbnail for that. Yeah. Uh, but Zodiac is, is similar to what they were saying about social network, where it is a two and a half hour movie that flies by. Yeah. yeah. Zodiac just flies and you notice things the, the, like you were saying, just anytime you rewatch Fincher and, and with the knowledge going in, you just catch different things. Um, I love the way that movie jumps time. It's got the smoothest time jumps smooth edits that is just like they cram so much information they give you so much information that is all digestible and just goes down man it's just like boom 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 like eat this movie up (laughs) well and it's 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 all told like you get it again centering it on character Mm -hmm. but without even making it overt like you get entire relationships falling apart just kind of told almost in the background (laughs) and um it is really fascinating uh i mean that is actually i i did want to talk about this and i just thought about this and and mank is a big example of it um i was reading a thing earlier today about how the age discrepancy between the male characters and the female characters in mank is like ludicrous 
Uh, especially when like those people are the same age in real life, you know, like we're, we're the same age. Um, a lot of the times like his, he and his wife, same age. Hmm. Um, whereas he's like 60 and the actress playing his wife was like 33 or something. It's bonkers. Hmm. Hmm. And like, unless they were making some kind of commentary on Hollywood and like erasing the middle-aged woman. Hmm. Um, well, I know Hearst and, Gloria Davies had a huge age discrepancy. Oh, yeah, obviously. and that, that, you know, is a thing, but yeah. it's just something to point out. And, like, Zodiac and, and a lot of his movies, uh, a few of his movies, you know, they center on more male narratives. But then, on the other hand, Gone Girl and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and, and um, kind of even the game also have some really nice female characters, too, so... Mm-hmm. It really good one but, in Mindhunter as well, Liam. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that uh, Anna, Anna Torv? Torv is so fringe. Good. Yes. So good in Mindhunter. Nice. Yeah. Mindhunter made me depressed. Like, I watched, like, the first few episodes, and I was it's, just like, man, this is so dark. <laughs> it's a lot, especially when you know that, you know, a lot of these are, if not Real? all of them, are true crimes. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. That's what gets They're, me. Yeah. <clears throat> um... <clears throat> my voice but i mean the reason i brought that up is because zodiac and the depiction of jake gyllenhaal and um uh, Cl- uh, Juverde, i can't remember her name right now but um his wife in that svenya oh yeah chloe svenya yeah Svenier. yeah um yeah she's <sighs> on the one hand i really like how they did it because it's sort of just crumples and and he doesn't even notice it happening, yeah. you know. Um, I need yeah. to know. I, I need, need to, to know. look him in the eyes. Which <laughs> just a man obsessed, dude. Which well, an amazing scene later <laughs> so when good. he's just when he's just in that hardware store yeah. and just looks at him, and then you just so see bad. it. You just see it in their eyes, and then he just nods and fucking leaves, so and it's just bad. like. Whoa, dude. Love that scene, dude. Uh, what spoilers a for Zodiac, I guess. Oh. Uh, <laughs> dude, I, I get so hyped. God, I love that movie. Zodiac is good stuff. What, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, Conrad <laughs> says, it's a tough choice, but my favorite is either Seven or Fight Club, depending on my mood. Both are, ma- both are master classes in their respective field, but I would say that Seven is probably the better film because it hinges less on a plot twist, while Fight Club is more an enjoyable experience. Um, I also have a special place in my heart for Aliens th- Alien 3. It's a broken mess, but it has a special flavor. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Cold Smith says Seven and uh, Zodiac. And uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is great, only if you can forgive some glaring flaws. Hmm. I can't think of any flaws in that. Mm-mm. I like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's It's definitely not... Like, I don't even think it's his best movie, but, like, there's just something about the vibes of it that I really like. I think mostly because of the color and the camera. Definitely. Um, I remember liking it, but I had already seen the first... I had already seen the Mm. first two originals. Two or even three. Yeah, I had seen those. So it was, like, too quick of a remake. I saw this one first, so, yeah. It was like, let the right one in and let me in. I'd seen the original and then the new one came out and everyone's like, it's so good, it's so good. And it's like, all right, 
I want to throw like, one in is one of my favorite movies, so I yeah. never watched the American one. <laughs> yeah, and I heard it's good, and it's just like, oh, I want to watch it, but it's like when it that, came out, it was that like, like I made other stuff that's good if I recall, but I don't remember. Hmm. Uh, Colin Lee favorite is Zodiac. Uh, hey man, I'm kind of speeding up as is because we've hit many of these already. Hey man, nice shots. Uh, Zodiac or Social Network. Um, for Zodiac, great vibe, engaging story drive to find the killer also love of great details like how the killer deliberately lo- i didn't realize this but it's totally true the killer looks deliberately looks slightly different in every murder scene as apparently based on how witnesses described him in that scene um or as much as they could do and that that never actually lined up in real life hmm. so the movie does that but it does it in a way that's really um subtle and uh social network is the best biopic as far as i'm concerned uh, yeah. Nathan Curse. Says I'm ready Zodiac. for the. Did anyone say Panic Room or the game? Uh, we'll get into the anyone. game. Okay. Nobody, nobody said Panic Room. I love okay. Panic Room. I love Panic Room. Quick shout I, out to Panic Room, dude. It's funny because I saw Panic oh. Room when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was good, but I was like, all right, whatever. I rewatched yeah. Panic Room. Yeah, dude. And I'm like, yo. Like if I've I've rewatched it a few times since. I mean, and I'm like, yo, this movie is. So good, dude! A home <laughs> invasion thriller, like one of the best. Because so that is just, yeah, so tense. That is just. I feel like everyone has that nightmare of oh, yeah. freaking criminals breaking into your house to kill you. Well, uh, but what I love about it, though, what I love about Panic Room, that like other movies that are that are good, but like take The Strangers for example, like mm-hmm. they're there to kill you. Yeah. Panic Room. They just ulterior want, motives. They just have other stuff going on, and you're just kind of there in the way. Yeah. Um. And there, there's like a weird mutual respect that happens. In that it's yeah, f- fascinating movie. Um, Love Panic it. Panic Room, dude. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan Curse also likes Zodiac. Um, just an incredible encapsulation of a unique era of American culture. Uh. Everybody says a lot of interesting stuff, uh, but uh, Nathan brought up that it, Zodiac came out the same year as No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood, uh, considered by many to be one of the best American films of the 21st century. And in their opinion, this deserves to be up there, too. Dude, I agree. Uh, I maybe maybe like a, a little below those two. Those two yeah. are like... No Country for Old Men <sighs> is perfect film in my eyes. Basically. Yeah. That and Paddington, too, baby. Um, all right. Here we go. The game. Nice. Tokyo Slim. Yeah, dude, Tokyo Slim, of course, is bringing the game. Oh, he wrote a dissertation about the game. <laughs> I have I have pared it down, but it's still very long, so buckle okay. up. Okay. I love it, though. It's great. Um, spoiler alert for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, the game, a movie about bonds. <laughs> the game, like so many of my other favorite films, has its roots deep in the filmmaking of Af- Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick in that it's a film that works on multiple levels. It's visually precise and is intensely thematically congru- congruent with its own world, even if it's not necessarily ours. The game is a meta narrative on control. It can be said that it's an allegory of the cancerous result of having enough resources to actually command all the aspects of your own life. He's so rich, so comfortable in his loneliness and isolation that a literal film or play within the film has to be built around him in order to bypass the fact that he could probably at any moment just kill himself. The game exists in order to give him a reason not to. 
the film is often criticized because there's not really a viewer proxy. Nobody uh, you really want to root for, as Nicholas is a miserable, unlikable curmudgeon of a man. But this isn't a hero movie. It's a Christmas Carol or Groundhog Day kind of movie where a loathsome individual learns at the end to be a better person instead of a ghost talking to him through the error of his ways or an unlimited amount of time to reflect on his own behavior. The game hijacks your life and gives you what you need. Loneliness is a prison, and often one of one's own making. Suicidal thoughts and tendencies do not discriminate between rich and poor. This film is essentially a 129-minute therapy session in which we see the fear of one's own mortality and the misguided attempt to overcome mental illness with willpower, wealth, and control come crashing through the glass ceiling of a downtown San Francisco high-rise into a giant inflatable cushion of the metaphorical bonds of your loved ones. Letting people who care about you into your life and letting others help you through tough times is the lesson which sometimes you can only learn after it's too late. The jump from the roof is a metaphor for relinquishing the illusion of control, but also the inevitability and tragedy of time wasted and the moment of regret when you lose somebody you care about more than you are aware of. In that way, the final moments of this film are, are catharsis, but they also represent a second chance and a warning. Much like Scrooge or Phil from Groundhog Day, Nicholas Van Orton emerged as a changed man. Make sure you value the relationships of those who love you. Don't wait to say that you love them back. Don't wait to say thank you or to ask for help. Humanity is a web of interconnections and relationships that coexist and affect others. Don't forget. So epic. Thanks, patron saint. I got drugged and left for dead in Mexico, and all I got was this stupid t-shirt. <laughs> I love the game, dude. <laughs> so good. It's a ride. It's a ride. It's a ride. Like and, you, it, you put that on, you are you are riding riding it. Just like yeah. put the the arm bar down. Here yeah. we go. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent movie. Definitely uh, under not underrated, but I would say underappreciated film yeah. and underappreciated within Fincher's work. Well, and earlier than I thought in his work, it's like third. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. And it definitely, like, you know, watching it now, there's a little bit of 90s to it. Sure, sure. But um, in kind of a quaint way. I don't know. I, <laughs> I love the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a ridiculous movie. It is. Um, all right. Then I asked our patrons what makes David Fincher special. Hmm. And I think we've kind of touched on a lot of this stuff. But um, Colt Smith says it's ability to weave uh, mood and mystery um, genuinely love the way he frames his movies as well. He uses fun shots that are really unique, but not so weird that it becomes distracting. Um, and as a video that I watched earlier today as in preparing for this pointed out, um, the camera moves. And I mean, I, I, you know, you already know this, but like they phrased it in a way that I liked, um, his camera moves match what the character, not just the character movements, but the character's feelings. And like, camera moves do big things when the characters are doing big things or feeling big things. Hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that can go overlooked. Um, and I really appreciate it in his stuff. Uh, Spencer from Canada says he's really good at manipulating what you look at. For instance, spoilers for fight club. He shows flashes of Brad Pitt's characters, uh, character earlier on when Edward Norton is having a hard time mentally. Zodiac felt fine I get that it was based on real life, but it still felt off. I think I let that left that in there just to trigger you, humor. Um, 
Colin Lee uh, says that Fincher is special because he integrates his perfectionism into every frame. The lighting, blocking, dialogue, performances, set pieces, everything comes together to make the film feel Fincher. Mm -hmm. The end result is uncanny. Films become more than something to see and hear. They ooze tension or horror or anxiety or depression. The director is as much of the character as the elements as the actors and sets and music, etc. What are you going to say? Just, just you know it's a Fincher movie. I think that's so yeah. awesome. You know, we always talk about directors and the best ones. Like, you can see them in the movie. And I just love that. Like, he creates his own vibe, his own mood that only Fincher does. And I think that's really special. That's, that's you know, it, it's hard to put into words. It's hard to describe, but... You know what? What? What was the earliest one? A post-apocalyptic, yeah, aesthetic, aesthetic. high-gloss apocalyptic Hi. aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, that only Fincher does. I think it's awesome. Well, it's it's it's. I mean, like Kubrick and stuff, and mm-hmm. Hitchcock has, has been called to, but like these these they're auteurs. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 making something with their voice on it. They're not purely a technician or a gun for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of very talented filmmakers who you know don't work like this and make great stuff but yeah his signature is definitely there and i i appreciate it all Um, his movies connect in a way what if they literally do that'd be what if what if there's like literal universe the fincher (laughs) cinematic universe uh (laughs) hey man nice shot says in short fincher films feel to me like comfort food that also happens to be Michelin star quality. <laughs> Seriously. His movies, his movies can be so perfectly constructed with every detail just right. Um, that, but at the same time, they just feel so good and easy to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on, but I, I fully agree. Like, There's just something about it. Even like, I keep going back to it, but like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, yeah. disturbing yeah. subject matter. And yet... That movie just feels like you ease into it yeah. and like live in that world. And Zodiac, yep. Zodiac as so well. So disturbing, especially because it's based on true shit. Yeah. True heinous crimes, but it's just like so digestible and easy to go down. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, I think of, I don't know, I think of like other, like uh, P.T. Anderson maybe, like kind of got a like maybe a little harder to watch like a little more slow paced a little like just comparing him to fincher they have two totally different styles but like there's something about a fincher movie that just has an ease an ease yeah. to it yeah yeah um xavier allegrucci possibly javier allegrucci tell me how i did <laughs> <laughs> to me fincher's work all revolves around misanthropy most films he makes never end on a positive note. He's able to take complex, complex and flawed characters, make them resemble, um, make them redeemable, sorry, to a certain extent, and somehow they never get what they want in the end. I think Gone Girl tap- tackles this idea exceptionally. It is a very entertaining film on a surface level with so many twists and turns, but it has so much more going on than that, and I think that's where Fincher is at his best. It is interesting because, like, misanthropy and nihilism and stuff it's like i think it's not wrong i think that that that's in there um but take the game for example like it it could be easy to read that as pretty cold 
but I mean, until the ending, because yeah. the ending is very hopeful, hopeful and very humanitarian and, mm-hmm. and humane. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Cause like his movies are very clinical in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, even alien three is pretty bleak until kind of the end is maybe even a little bit hopeful as well in a way, in a kind of a way. In a kind I of mean, a, yeah. Alien three comes out the gate murdering two beloved yeah. characters from yeah. aliens just yeah. like, died off screen brutal. brutal i remember being a kid you know one of my favorite characters of all time is obviously hicks yeah just remember being a kid just like well, <laughs> so we'll mad see. excuse me we'll see if if this fabled like eight Blum different camp. people trying to make it well hey, he, somebody else is trying to movie. make it now somebody else is this? trying to make it now Blumcap's got a secret movie now? Secret to horror movie film during during quarantine and it comes oh, out whoa. like next year, yeah. With some oh, horror shit. movie. Okay. Um Tyler Travis says, Big Fincher fam, can we talk about the title sequences? Every single one is memorable as hell. Pan Dragon from Tattoo. Blue My Mind Seven, Fight Club, Dragon Tattoo, worth the price of the ticket. Yeah, Dragon Tattoo is bonkers. Like with mm-hmm. that um Come from the land of the ice and snow. The yeah. Fucking Tolkien song. It's like a music with video, the, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's Using nuts. that background. <laughs> yeah. With the oil pouring all over the. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's a, movie, a good dude. one. I might have to. I kind of want to watch that too. You're getting I'm going to be man. playing cyberpunk. Let's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> um, right. Nathan Curse says, uh, I think the reason I gravitate towards Fincher is how dark and cynical he is able to be while still working within the mainstream film system. Whatever happened after Alien 3 lit a fire under his ass to dominate the Hollywood system with no input from other people. Mm-hmm. And it's resulted in him being one of my uh, one of the only directors that's still able to get massive budgets and stars for movies that would n- never normally be made. Um, yeah, what a yeah. cool movie to do too. Mank, like, yeah. I, I, I like Citizen Kane a lot. Like I love oh, yeah, Orson Welles as an actor. Like Touch of Evil is one of my all-time favorites. I like how the... nuts Welles is. He's just a bonkers yeah. guy. Yeah, just like out of control performances. I love that. Yeah. But I had no idea this backstory of Mankiewicz writing Citizen Kane. Like this, it was an interesting story for sure. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and like, it's. Mank is an interesting one because it simultaneously feels very Fincher and mm-hmm. doesn't feel like Fincher at all. Like it almost yeah. feels, I can't remember who said this to me the other day, but um, it almost feels like Coen brothers or something. Like it's like Fincher gone Coen. It's, yeah. it's, it's an, having, very... having no criminal element was a throw off, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually there's, wait, is that gun... the only movie of his that doesn't have a criminality to it? Dude, I feel like it might be. I think it is because Alien Three is on a freaking prison planet. Yeah, they're all they're all prisoners. Yeah, the game, I mean, is all very legally specious. Yeah. <laughs> no one's I, like, I guess, criminal. like Louis B. Mayer is doing criminal things, but oh, well, it's like all so like in the background. Like, that, yeah. well, that's kind of the point. Like Hollywood, they're all monsters. Yeah. Um. Huh. I guess Louis B. Mayer is like the ultimate scumbag of all time. I was like reading into that. Oh, all those early guys, yeah. I feel like, were just, like, total... Because they get away with whatever. They were, like, mm-hmm. God back then. Yeah. Uh, that scene in Mank when he 
like the one dude's interviewing for basically like interviewing for a job and then he goes in and just tells everyone he's not going to pay yeah. them for eight weeks and then yeah. leaves. It's just like, oh my <laughs> God. Crazy. Uh, Happy Gaming says Fincher is good about being slow. He allows the audience to really think about what different scenes um, uh, are before altering those perceptions. He also is outstanding with characters and their interactions. And his partnership with Aaron Sorkin uh, is very good too. Vrun Kachwaha says, uh, I think it's the detached way his films are made. I forget where I heard this from, but so many filmmakers have a special way that they shoot films that make them stand out. But what makes Fincher special is that he tries to reduce the gap between the audience and the camera as much as possible. It's not like you're watching a film, but rather you are there. The cold, calculated nature of his films helps with this. Um, he's also great at using CG, like we've talked about. Yeah, like we were talking about before, like his filmmaking doesn't get in the way while also meticulously controlling everything. Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating. Um, Conrad says, "The one, if I would use one word to describe Fincher as a director, it would be nerve. He is incredibly adept at building tension and suspense in both the drama and the horror, and is a master craftsman." Um, I ask people what their least favorite uh, Fincher films are, <laughs> aka the Alien Three section. Uh, but a bunch of people said uh, Benjamin Button. Teff actually doesn't like the game. That's okay. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, and Tef, though, says Alien 3 is criminally underrated. Um, I feel that way about Alien Resurrection. Because I, I, fe- yeah. I feel like with Alien 3, the Fincher effect kind of has, has softened people. Man, oh, it's Fincher. It has movie, an sure. underground appreciation. Quality. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I never really hear anything good about Alien Resurrection. Nobody ever says anything good about Alien Resurrection. Alien <laughs> Resurrection is a hoot. It it's, is it's a, a hoot. it's a dumb fun movie. <laughs> it is it is anime inspired, dude. Some like Absolutely. bounty hunter crew French <laughs> taking anime. on aliens. Yeah. Alien Resurrection is French anime. <laughs> Straight up. Uh, uh Nathan Curse says House of Cards is the worst thing he's ever been a part of, in my opinion. But if we're Which, keeping it to films, Benjamin Button is the worst. Ian, I didn't know this. I feel like Netflix tricked me into thinking that house of cards was fincher's baby and i looked into it and he only directed the first two episodes he never returned he he was just a gun right yeah it feels like but the way i always thought because the way netflix advertised it was like oh this is like a david fincher vehicle this is this is all and it it doesn't really seem like that he didn't really write anything i don't think like he had a producer credit obviously but like a mind hunter he was all yeah. in, all hands on deck, directed so many episodes, both seasons. Says he wants to return to season to do more, but it just took too much out of him mentally. Uh, yeah. He's just not in the right headspace like, for it. Isn't it like weirdly expensive too? It's like a really expensive yeah. show. Yeah, and it's, it, oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I've never seen House Cards, nor will I ever yeah, at this no, point. Not, not, I love Robin Wright, but <laughs> mm-hmm. not going to stomach the other guy for... Um, Nathan Kurz goes on to say that the screenplay I think they thought was the problem with Benjamin Button it feels kind of like Forrest Gump which is written by the same guy kind of 90s filmmaking Uh, Jason Wojnar alright here we go Alien 3 time seeing this prompt reminds me of all the times Ian says that Alien 3 assembly cut is good movie taste is taste and I'm not here to trash anyone's feelings about a movie (laughs) but god do I still hate that movie and the assembly cut just makes it longer it should be added, however, that Fincher did not work on this cut, and I feel that he is not responsible for the bad things about that movie. 
Zach Wojnar says, um, obviously Alien 3 in the assembly cut is even worse than the theatrical version. Even though I know Ian likes it for some reasons, I'll never be able to comprehend. The assembly cut is longer, but adds almost nothing of note. And some of its additions even detract from a few good moments in the theatrical film. Also, everyone looks exactly the same in their dirty faces and bald heads. I hate it. <laughs> Nathan Curse then goes on to say, I'm sure it'll be discussed, but I want to just join the chorus and say that I think Alien 3, particularly the assembly cut, is fucking great. Oh, I'm excited. I personally love its dark style and aesthetic. And to me, it's better sequel than Alien than Alien for Alien than Aliens was. I think at one point this was a hot take, but I'm seeing it pop up more and more. Alien 3 is fucking awesome. I understand why Fincher has disowned it, but whatever, it rules. Also, it might low-key be the best Charles Dance performance ever. So good. He's good I never Mank. thought... He's great in Mank, too. Yeah. I never thought I'd take uh, think this, but he was so charming and, and hot that I wanted to jump his bones. <laughs> and then Colin Lee says, least favorite is Alien 3, and he agrees he disowned it. <laughs> So I, yeah, I'm a little biased when it comes to Alien, just because I I I think I I if, just really like Alien. Like if, I hate Alien Covenant. Yeah. I hate Alien Covenant. Totally. Ian, if Sigourney Weaver is Ripley, ten out of ten. I'm there, I'm whatever there, it yeah. is, ten out of yeah. ten. I don't care. <laughs> yep. Like me too. The best of all time. It, it just cannot be argued. It cannot be helped. Well, Sigourney I, Weaver. I, I mean, their comments about the assembly cut make me want to rewatch the re- theatrical and then the assembly because I don't remember, I guess, what it was about the assembly cut that I really loved the last time I watched it because I remember there being something in it that I really liked that was missing from the original. But uh, alas, I've watched all the Alien films and all the different cuts so many yeah. times. I don't remember which parts are in which Definitely. cuts. It's been a minute. I, I, I'm fairly certain there is something to do with the way the chest burster comes out. There's like and more they build cows up instead of dogs. I remember that mm-hmm. there's more build up for that. Yeah. But. I think it just, I, I think I just, I like the idea of a prison colony and yeah. I like those characters and I like the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. And so like more time in that is nice for me. It's like yeah. cozy for me. Totally. Um, like Ripley being on that planet. Yeah. Is, it's just, is, it's, it's chill. Cool. Whereas, like, I think that the Aliens director's cut adds the the scene about her daughter, I think, is crucial to her character. Um, Crucial. But then I think, like, you could very easily keep out the the turret sequence that's just too long. Yeah, completely unnecessary. So it's, it's, like, really weird. Like, that that cut is, like, watch this scene and then the rest of the theatrical. Yeah. Um, Whatever. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I asked for some fun facts. Mostly got stuff that I think we've already kind of touched on. Just like Happy Gaming brought up how often he uses CG in ways you don't know. Uh, Conrad brought up that uh, he produced Love, Death, and Robots uh, on Netflix. I need to give that more of a shake. I saw, excuse me, two of them, and I thought they were garbage. Um, hmm. but I've heard a lot of good things. So who the hell knows? Um. Also, that I think it can play them in a random order, so I'm not even sure which ones I watched. That's right. Hey, man, nice shot. Says, apparently, according to IMDb, he turned down directing 8mm, Catch Me If You Can, and Batman Begins. Uh, man, the Fincher versions of those movies would be bonkers. Dude, Fincher 8mm? 
<laughs> would it be harder to watch or easier? No, yeah. He probably he probably would have given us more of a way to. Oh God, eight mil. Fuck eight millimeter. The music would have been good if he yeah. did eight millimeter. The music would have been legendary. I eight feel millimeter like. is so disturbing, dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. Moving on. Um, anything else you'd like us to discuss? The final question I usually ask. Uh, Tokyo Slim said, "Fun fact: the man who plays Nicholas Van Orton's father, who's shown jumping from the roof of the mansion to his death, is Charles Martinet, the longtime voice actor of Mario and Luigi." Whoa! I did not know that. <laughs> How strange. Yeah. Um, Zach Wojnar got to interview Charles Dance, who apparently uh, who appears in Mank and also starred as Clemens in uh, the Doctor in Alien Three. Mm-hmm. And here's a quote from Charles Dance: "There was more on the page than what ended up on the screen." But you're dealing with a franchise. A lot of people are very protective of a franchise, and I feel er, and feel they know the way it should go. It was Fincher's first film. I was really impressed then, and that uh, and that was 30 or so years ago. I thought then that he was a very clever guy. I think he's a genius, actually. He's a demanding genius, but I don't mind that because the end result is a good movie. And the film I've just done with him, Mank, I think, is going to be sensational. That's dude. I didn't. I always get those connections. I that one. I didn't even think of it. Charles Dance in both of Dance, those. Dude. I didn't even think of that. First movie and most love, recent. Hopefully not that. last. That's awesome. Um, Mark Varley says something to talk about would be the reputation fin- uh, Fincher has with doing take after take after take of one mm-hmm. scene. Do you think this improves performances overall? Going by the evidence so far, I'd say so. Why don't more directors do this? Thanks. Everyone has their own process. Everyone responds yeah. differently to directors' processes. Processes, um, you know. Steven Spielberg is notoriously a actor's director because he is so in touch with them emotionally. You know, he kind of lets them breathe a little bit. Um, where then you have other directors who are like, you are reading every single word. There is no improv. You must read every single right. word exactly as it is on the script. And then, of course, we have Fincher who does like take after take after take. So I think it all just comes down to each director has their own way of doing things and whatever works for them works for them. Yeah. And like the thing about um, being a director that's so important is that you have to build trust Trust, with your with your crew and with your actors and you have to have appropriate communication and you have to. It, it, it's it's a many way street, right? It's mm-hmm. not just your show, and I mean you're you're the you're in charge creatively at the end of the day. But like, if you want your actors to not hate your ass and and then also do sixty seven takes, mm-hmm. you've got to have a good working relationship, and there's got to be a reason. And like Fincher, you know that perfect camera movement that's totally tied to the actor's exact motions, you know, that doesn't come for free. That's rehearsal. That's, that's very specific, meticulous blocking, um, which is difficult for an actor. Like you've got to tie or you've got to, uh, get the blocking down in a way that doesn't get in the way of your, your ability to emote and feel the scene and act in the scene and stuff. And like, I think it just, Fincher is a special case where it goes to show that he really is um, meticulous, but also like I haven't at least I haven't heard any horror stories about uh, doing a billion takes like Mm -hmm. you hear with other people like Kubrick famously like Mm -hmm. torturing people just like making them do it like Shelley Duvall and like just like torturing people and like i haven't heard i I apologize if this is out there but i haven't heard about that with fincher i read something recently where sigourney weaver was was cool with it for alien 3 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, that's the thing is like, and like Charles Dance said, it's like he's demanding, but mm-hmm. I am okay with that, and it's because they respect him and understand that there are reasons. If you're just, if you're just shooting coverage, yeah, you know, uh, like Samuel Jackson, like famously like uh, complained about this, and I think he's right. Like if you're just shooting standard coverage, you know, wide shot, medium shot, this shot, that shot, um, but you're not doing it in a motivated way, and you're just like covering the bases so you can assemble your movie in post without really thinking things through it's not trusting your actors and it's not it's not having a voice as a director it's mm-hmm. just assembly yeah and um yeah i mean there's a place for that when it comes to like shooting commercials or you know quick turnaround tv stuff multi-camera stuff like you can you can you can direct like that and it's not necessarily bad but when it comes to a creative film Mm-hmm. you know you want to have a voice you want to make choices you yeah. know yeah and i bet like now obviously he's david freaking fincher so anyone is going to accept that but in the early days i imagine you know just having conversations with him the actors and then you just you know it's like okay i can i can trust this this person like absolutely you know he clearly has a vision and he's doing it for a reason so um cullen lee uh, asked what we would like Fincher to tackle next. Maybe something out of his wheelhouse as far as genre or you have any ideas? Cause he's done. I mean, he hasn't done like straight horror or straight comedy. <laughs> Aliens going <Yo>. back, <laughs> going back dude to where it, Take where it, it all began. Take it back from Ridley Scott. Cause Ridley Scott's gone crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Get David Fincher in there. Um, I can appreciate that dude. Yeah. Or has he done like a Stone Cold heist movie? I mean, Panic Room is kind of a heist. They kind of, in a weird way, they yeah. sort of all are. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be fun because um, he's so good at period stuff. It'd be interesting to see him do something like oh Western or like hard period. like. Dude. Jack the Ripper. Oh, dude, Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper movie, dude. If there's anyone that can do it perfectly, it's David friggin' Fincher. Or, oh, oh, you know what? You know what book I'd love to see him do? And wait, maybe people are doing it already. Maybe someone already did it. Devil in the White City. Devil in the White City. That's been a Leo joint for like a decade. He was originally going to be in it. Scorsese was involved. The next thing I heard was now it's going to be a TV show. That's that is like Leo's passion project. I could see that. Uh, so I think that's that's coming still. Okay, but, but I don't Fincher think Fincher would be great is, for that. Yeah, or just an H.H. H. Holmes like murder hotel story. Like, good God. Tef says, if you'd like good, thoughtful discussion and deep trivia about movies, I want to plug off the shelf reviews on YouTube. Gary and Ian, haha, do some great stuff, and they've covered quite a few Fincher films. Hundred percent recommend. Hmm. I hadn't heard of that, but it sounds good. Off the shelf. And then Juice Mofo, Juice Mofo, uh, shout out to the music video of Judith by A Perfect Circle and Fincher. Cool. One of his many. Um, I'm going to watch a few for sure. We don't have a uh, quote challenge this month, but uh, we did promise up top that we would rank mm. the um, Fincher movies. Okay. I'll read through them again if you want to write them down or something on your yeah. end. Cool. Uh, Alien 3, 
Seven, The Game, Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight, ten, eleven. Oh, I thought we had an even ele- even ten. All so right. you've got it? Yeah. What's yours? Number one. Number 11, like you want to go downwards, Let's down to up? Yeah, least favorite to favorite. And again, like, shit, just give them a score, too. <laughs> like, uh, Benjamin Button, swimming at sevens. Sure. Uh, number 10 would be Gone Girl, 7.9, almost an 8. You're okay. right there. Okay. Um, Next would be... Dude, all of these are so good. They're also good. It's so crazy. Next would probably really be, hard. next would be Social Network. Um, it's been too long since I've seen it, but probably that's probably like an eight something. Uh, then Dragon Tattoo, yeah, like an eight, eight five. Um, then, then let's go with seven. If you asked me this a couple years ago, I would say that's one of my favorite movies of all time, but uh, not right now. Uh-huh. Uh, then Panic Room. Dude, Panic Room is like a nine. That, that is a great. tense movie. Followed by Fight Club, also a nine. Followed by Mank. Really liked Mank. Mank was great. Uh, followed by The Game. Followed by... By Alien 3, followed by Zodiac, number one. Alien 3 is second. Second, dude. Ripley. Love it. Ellen Ripley. You cannot trust a word I'm saying if Ellen Ripley <laughs> is involved in any capacity. That's just how it is. Yeah, dude. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. I haven't seen Benjamin Button, so that one's DQ'd for me. Um, bottom would probably be... Ah, uh, yeah, they're all they're all good though. Um I guess uh Gone Girl, but it's like an 8. Yeah, <laughs> you know? It's so good. It's like really good. Uh then I'd probably go with uh maybe Mank, which is like an 85. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um then probably Social Network, which I do believe is like a very incredible movie, nine five probably, but just like less rewatchable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, then probably f- seven. Then probably Fight Club. Then probably Panic Room. Then probably Ger Drag Tat. No, then then Alien Three. Then Ger Drag Tat. Then Zodiac. Then the game. Nice, dude. Game hype. It's the game, so the game, good. The game is my favorite of his movies. Not technically the best of his movies, I would say. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably like objectively, his best movies are probably Zodiac, Social Network, and maybe Mank. Um, Seven is really good too. But I just uh, I love the game. Totally, dude. The last time I felt as comfy in a movie was once upon a time in hollywood 
Hmm. Mank gave me those jacuzzi vibes. Full jacuzzi. Full jacuzzi vibes from Mank. Jets on, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for reaction shots for this month. Talk about Davy Finchies. The old Finch. Um, Finch and Mank. Yeah. Dude, whenever Dune comes out, we're we're gonna talk Denny Villeneuve. Hell yeah. Dune comes out. Um come to HBO Max now. Uh that's yeah. crazy. That one that one kinda hurts. Because that that's such hurt. a big I, Now that I have a four K TV, I don't mind it as much. Mm-hmm. But that one definitely I would want to watch in a theater if possible. Yeah. Let's get those vaccines going. Let's get them. Start pumping them. Pump me full of vaccines. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> love vaccines um, <laughs> right into my veins yeah right in the eyeball um, <laughs> not in the eyeball I don't think I can tolerate that uh, patreon.com slash easy allies if you want to join our film club tier also we have a special tier uh, for our top supporters on patreon the shout out tier and uh, this month, those are Elthanis, Greg, The Dark Knight, Kettering, Caleb, Togi, Crawford, Nick, Stephen Thomason, and Jesse Blue. Shout, Shout out. Um, Thomason, I do believe, because there's an A in there. Let me know if I got that right. <laughs> um, thank you, Huber. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. We will be back second friday of next month in a brand new year 2021 2021 whole slate of movies coming directly into our homes for yeah. hbo max subscribers yeah <laughs> i like hbo max don't believe christopher nolan <laughs> don't don't believe his lies don't believe his lies <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much uh, bye bye